Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I just want to invite you to take a minute. We just pray um, um, for ourselves as we receive the word of God. And also just a minute just to also remember the kids at level five. So let me just pray and, and we'll jump right in. Thank you, Father, that this morning we can be here um, or join online just to worship uh, as one, as your body. Uh, we remember also the kids at level five. We just thank you for the gift of worship uh, with song. Uh, worship with our voices, instruments, worship uh, in unity of spirit. And so this morning, we open our hearts to you to be tutored by you, Holy Spirit, uh, that your word would form and shape us into your likeness so that we grow in maturity and we grow in anticipation of receiving you when even as you come again. And Father, this morning, we pray this word will go deep into our hearts uh, and find good soil, and that we would respond in faith and obedience. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm going to get you to read scripture together with me. It's up on the screen. Uh, we're looking at a beautiful story of Zacchaeus. So we're talking about Zacchaeus, Jesus, and us. Uh, if you can read these 10 verses with me as loudly as you can, all right? Uh, so we can read this. Let's go. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Go on. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Good, good job reading. How many of you like this story? Are you familiar somewhat with this story? Raise your hands. This is one of my favorite or one of my top uh, three favorites when I think about stories in the gospel. I don't know why, but for the longest time, it's just one of my favorites. How many of you know the song, Zacchaeus was... <laughs> Very good, I can hear some. A wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up on a... Wanted to see... Yeah, just because we can sing. We're, <laughs> we're milking it. <laughs> So we're going, if you, as you read through the book of Luke, right, um, if, if some of you have done that, you'll find that the journey, the sense of a, like a mounting, uh, a coming to a climactic end, you get that sense as you read through. I'll uh, show you a verse from chapter 9, verse 51. 
uh, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So this is in chapter 9. And then in verse 18, we see him telling his disciples this. And taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, right? Chapter 18, before our chapter today. And everything that's written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. But 34 tells us they understood none of these things. So he's, of course, alluding to the cross. And as we've celebrated resurrection last Sunday, remember that's exactly what happened, right? So this account gives you this idea of like they're reaching the end of their journey, right? And so in chapter 19, I show you three parts Three times Jerusalem was mentioned. And this is when Jesus is really approaching the end of his journey on earth, right before he gets to the cross. So verse 11 tells us, because he was near to Jerusalem. And in verse 21, 28, sorry. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Verse 41 tells us the third time, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. So these three times, verse 11, 28, 41, almost serve as like punctuation marks in the entire narrative in, in chapter 19, just telling you, like, you know, are we there yet? Almost. Are we there yet? Almost. Are we there yet? We're reaching soon. So you get this mounting sense of, wow, the, 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 the proximity to Jerusalem and what is going to happen there, right? It's a climactic end of the journey. So chapter 19 is somewhat like a climax, right, of Jesus' journey and, and, and what he came to do. And verse 10 uh, of, of 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost is for many almost like the, the clincher, like the, the key verse of the book of Luke. So in this account of Jesus and Zacchaeus, you get a condensed message of a lot of the themes that recur okay, in the book of Luke. And if you, you know, are going to do like Bible study on your own, you can go into this and find out what are these themes. So I'll show you this picture in 1913 that was drawn by this Danish painter, Niels Stevens. And it shows Zacchaeus up on that tree. right? So verse 1 tells us, going through the 10 verses, now verse by verse, we're looking at, you can keep your finger there or you know, your phone uh, readily uh, looking at chapter 19. So it says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, right? And so then behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And what happened? So Zacchaeus, something unique about his physical characteristic. What is it? Short, right? And so the... I think from some studies that I read, so the average is probably about five feet, right? That's shorter than me. That's the average. So if Zacchaeus was small, he was most likely less than five feet, right? So you're, you know, I don't know, picture some dude who is like about this high, this tall, I don't know how tall he was exactly. But it tells us in verse three that he's small. And so shorter than the average, which is about five feet. And but though, so there's this crowd of people, hundreds, because Jesus was coming. Uh, it's like, you know, you gotta cite the celebrity kind of like, well, or throng, thronging to see who Jesus was. And so verse four tells us he ran. He ran and he climbed a tree, a tree which was called sycamore. Uh, some consider it not really a sycamore sycamore but it is a type of fig tree right and and he wants to climb to see Jesus right interesting guy now 
Let me tell you a little bit about Zacchaeus. He, his name means pure, clean, righteous, innocent. That's the you know, meaning of his name, Zacchaeus. But he was anything but, in his time especially, uh, uh, not even talking about now, but as a tax collector, right? He is likened or in the same category, basically, as murderers, thieves, extortionists, scammer, <laughs> or whatever. You know, he's in that category as murderers. He would be in the category of people who are excluded from synagogue worship, okay, from his own people at that time. He would be regarded as a traitor because he works well, for and with the Roman government who were oppressive to them, to the Jewish people. And he was not only a tax collector. What does, uh, what does verse two tell us? Chief is like the huiren, and then he's the king of the huiren, okay? So he's a chief, the ruler of the, this district, this regional ruler who was a chief extortionist, basically. Chief, uh, 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 thief, chief murderer, sort of thing. So he's this chief tax collector, but you find the scripture tells us something that he does so out of character. He wants to see Jesus, and what happens? He, when he realizes that there's this crowd and he can't see the guy, he runs, and then he climbs a tree. Now I'm telling you, it's, it's, it would be odd for just an ordinary person to do that. Just picture, okay, this chief tax collector who is very hated by his people. Okay, they wouldn't even worship alongside him, wouldn't have him in the house, they wouldn't invite him to a meal, they wouldn't hang out with him. In fact, if, if I was part of the crowd and, you know, I see Zacchaeus come and try to see Jesus, I'll push him away, you know, like, you know, get, get away, right, okay? You, you don't have, you don't deserve to see Jesus, okay? You, not you, no, anybody but you. So you'll probably, like, block him from seeing Jesus, but here's this guy who's like, okay, you know what, I'm gonna climb a tree. And he runs and he climbs that tree, which is, I found so extraordinary. He's either very bold and, and whatever, it's, it's just really out of character. It's not something you would expect, it's, it's not dignified, right? It's not uh, uh, normal, it's not uh, usual. Maybe you will see little boys or girls climbing up the tree to see Jesus, but not this chief text guy. Not him. It's just unusual. So that's Zacchaeus. And then when Jesus came, verse 5, he came, he looked up. And then he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I love that. You know, you picture yourself up on that tree. Uh, you know, I like the idea of climbing tree, but I can't say I do it a lot. Uh, but I know that I love to see my kids climbing trees. Uh, so I always encourage, climb, climb. Ah, go higher. Gaia, okay? It's just like uh, a novel thing, but when you just picture yourself up on that tree and Jesus comes, this famous, popular guy who the crowds came to see, he looks up and he calls your name. Come down. And then not only that, not just come down and like, let me see you. Come down so I can go and hang out with you. I can go to your house and eat with you. That's amazing. Jesus knew him by name. And you know, in verse 5, what captures my attention is how Jesus said it. Hurry and calm down, for I must stay at your house today. It's not even, can I come? Can I hang out with you? I'm coming. I must go to your house today. 
Yes, come, Jesus, come. Right? If I was Zacchaeus, but I don't know. Did he feel a bit shaken at first? Did he like stop for a moment? Like, is he talking to me? Me up here? Is he? He wants to come to my house? Oh, what now? But my house is a mess, right? All kinds of thoughts. Maybe that's uh, more me. Maybe it's a personality thing, right? Oh, oh no, like, um, is my house in order? Uh, you know, what do I have in the fridge? You know, I, maybe he wasn't thinking all that, but he must have had some like sudden, like shocked thoughts. Like, what? You want to come to my house, okay? Jesus says, I must come. And it's the only place in the Gospels, catch this, the only place Jesus invites himself to someone's house. Did you know that? Nowhere else. There was a Pharisee who invited him to his house. There are other people like Lazarus. This is the only place where Jesus says, I must come to your house. This is amazing. And so Zacchaeus gets this. And, and, and the worst thing to do, really, in that time, with a chief tax collector, is to go to his house. That's the worst thing. It's not even just go there and I like play around me with you, okay? Go there and eat. And so for their culture, and as is pretty close to our culture, you share a meal not with enemies, right? When you share a meal, you're breaking bread together, you are sharing food, you're basically saying, we're friends, right? We're like family. And so Jesus says, I'm coming, I must come and eat at your place. And he uses the word, I must. And it reminds us of the Samaritan woman where it says in the text in John 4, Jesus had to go through Samaria. He didn't really have to. Geographically or logistically, they, you would usually go around Samaria. They don't go through. But the scripture tells us he had to. Why? And it's the same here. Verse 5, I must stay. Jesus had a point to make. It was part of his work uh, and his witness to the kingdom of God. Verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. You know, in this passage, in this story, on one hand, we see very clearly that God pursues us. God is the one who finds us where we are and calls us by name out of whatever situation we're in and he identifies with us and he says, I'm going to come. And I love how Tim, he didn't know what I was talking about today, uh, but he used the word God condescended himself. That's literally right here. Like on my, on my, on my notes. Like, Tim, how'd you know? Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> wait, yeah, so on one hand we see God pursues us and then on the other hand we see it is our free will and choosing because he came down, he rushed down and he joyfully received Jesus into his home he's the one who in verse 3 says he sought to see who Jesus was he thought it was not good enough that he hears about him. I want to see him. So much so that I don't care about my status or my reputation. I'm climbing up on that tree, short as I am. You know how hard it is to climb a tree when you're short? <laughs> That's not easy. But on one hand, God pursues us. And then at the same time, the other hand, it is us saying, yes, I want to know. I want to pursue God. And verse 7 says, when he, they saw it, the crowds, they all rejoiced. No, they grumbled. What? 
of all the hundreds of people here, you could say that too. You choose to go to the that hated guy's house and eat with him. You gotta be kidding me. No way. That's the last person's house you should go to. No, come to my house. Come to my house. They grumbled. Why? And it says he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. You know, the interesting thing is, if, it, if we juxtapose it, we contrast it, right? What happens in uh, chapter 18? Let me show you two uh, portions. Chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. Jesus was telling this parable just before this this account with Zacchaeus. Two men went up into the temple, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee said, you know, standing by himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortionists, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Verse 12, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I can get. 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I wonder whether Jesus was alluding to, like he knew, he saw Zacchaeus already in his mind. He knows he's going to see this man up on that tree that day. The next portion in chapter 18 tells us, 24 to 27, Jesus was just spoken to a rich young ruler. And some of you know the story. And then Jesus was telling him, you know, yeah, you tell me that you follow all the commandments of God. Well, let me tell you this one thing. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Then the rich young ruler left because he couldn't do that. And then verse 24 says, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. The thing is, right, as impossible as it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of God, and he's talking about being poor in spirit versus being, it's not just about monetary wealth, right? And as rich men, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus, could he be saying, hey, but you know what? It's possible with me. And with Zacchaeus, someone not just as sinful as him, but as rich as he is. He's probably the richest guy in the region, earning off of his fellow countrymen, okay? He's the richest. He would take taxes, give the Roman government what they need. The rest he keeps for himself. So he probably, you know, took more than is necessary from the people. But here God is saying, you know what? The taxpayer could beat his breast and say, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. What is impossible with God, oh, amen, is possible with God. It's just amazing when you think about it. And so I came across this um, book by a guy called Ireland. And he says, when Zacchaeus, by determining to give half his possessions to the poor, he was not fulfilling a rule. Jesus gave no command. We don't know what happened during the time at Zacchaeus' house, but the text, the, the text, the scripture passage tells us Zacchaeus then wants to give fourfold. Okay, those who had 
swindled. Instead, Zacchaeus' gift is a spontaneous act of repentance, love, and gratitude. It is an expression of a changed heart. Tim Keller says this in the book, Prodigal God. You know, we habitually and instinctively look to other things besides God and his grace as our justification. We believe the gospel at one level, but at deeper levels, we do not. Human approval, professional success, power, influence, all of these things serve as our heart's functional trust rather than what Christ has done. And if we continue to live under a great deal of fear, we're motivated by fear, anger, anxiety, lack of self-control. All this is indicative that we have not grasped the full meaning of the gospel in our lives. What Jesus has done to redeem us. He didn't just rescue us from sin. He redeemed us for life. And that's what Jesus has done. But we continue to choose to functionally trust so many different things except the grace of God. And so we find ourselves believing in the gospel at only a very shallow level. But at deeper levels, we operate out of our fear, our insecurity, our anger, whatever it is. We operate out of that deep level because we have not allowed God's grace to deeply, deeply capture and captivate our hearts. But look at Zacchaeus. I don't know what happened in that house. But he came out encountering Jesus saying, my life is different. And you know, what came to mind is how Zacchaeus made room for God to change his heart, change his home, and change his habits. Have we made room for God to change our hearts? How about our homes? How about our habits? It takes intentionality, yes, but on the other hand, it's so much just learning to receive God's grace. Just to receive it with joy is what I felt a uh, burden to share with you today. Uh, on Tuesday, when we had Seek First Prayer, God just impressed on my heart this joy of salvation and how God wants us to experience that joy at so much more deeper level. And you know, I'm not naturally a very joyful person, but you know, this week, it has to be God, okay? It has to be God. Every day, God's just been like, you know, joy. And I just felt like some of you need to return to that joy today. The joy of your salvation. When Jesus has rescued you from the depths of your sin, yourself, where you were. Because he saw you and he called you by name. And he rescued you from sin and redeemed you for a life that is different. And this morning, God says to you, that joy is yours. Receive that joy. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, verse 9, Today's salvation has come to this house. He also is a son of Abraham. You see, there were three seeings in this passage. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Jesus looked up and saw him. The crowds saw Jesus invite himself to Zacchaeus' house. But it is 
Jesus seeing Zacchaeus that makes all the difference. Zacchaeus wants to see him. Jesus saw him. The crowds saw them. But Jesus seeing was what he came for. Romans 5, 6 tells us Jesus came for the ungodly. Who are the ungodly people that that verse refers to? That's me. And sometimes we forget. But of course we're not just sinners. But we are deeply loved. And God rescued us out of our sin nature and made us his saints. Zacchaeus was a true son of Abraham, not because he was truly pure and righteous like his name suggests, but because he believed. Galatians 3.7 tells us that. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Jesus used the term son of man with increasing frequency as he approached the cross. If you want to, you can, some of you perhaps have done this, just to study the like, son of man, the use of that term, reference like Daniel 7, Matthew 26, son of man, because why? I think this story, oftentimes we look at Zacchaeus, right? But the central figure is Jesus. Of course, it's fascinating that Zacchaeus was this short reach, hated dude. That's, you know, nice story. But the central figure is not him. It's the son of man. Verse 10 tells us he came to seek and save the lost. Son of man, on one hand, that Jesus is fully human. But son of man, because in Daniel 7 it tells us, son of man is this heavenly figure, the ancient of days. The son of man will come on clouds of heaven. Did Zacchaeus hear about Jesus, this friend of sinners? That's why he's curious? I don't know. But he was not just curious. He was curious enough to give all he had. I think what he did probably bankrupted him. The way Jesus called Peter, Paul. He didn't call them because they were worthy of salvation. Jesus called them so that they would be worthy. If you look at chapter 7, I'm just, last passage, hopefully. Um, turn to Luke 7, it's not up there. And see the story with me before we end. Everyone at Luke 7? Wow, so quiet. You're at Luke 7, say yes. Very good. Luke 7.34 is where we're looking at first. Here then it tells us some people were saying, the son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Talking about Jesus here. Not a compliment. They're not complimenting him. Jump to 36. 
You following? Okay. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house. See, he didn't invite himself there. He was invited. And he goes on to tell us there was a woman who was a sinner. Luke takes pains to tell you this woman is a sinner. It's intentional. And she learned that Jesus was there, right? So she brought this ointment, and it goes on to tell us how she wet his feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair, kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. So, you know, the people watching, they're like, wow, you know, how can he let her touch him and things like that, yada. So verse 40 onwards, Jesus, in typical Jesus style, says, Simon, let me tell you something. <laughs> this is when, like, if you're watching a movie, like, the, you know, background music changes or something. Like, you know, let me tell you something. And then Simon says, tell me, say it. Verse 41 then tells us then there are two debtors. Right? A moneylender had two debtors. And, but they couldn't pay, and so he cancelled the debt of both. Verse 42, which of them will love him more? Simon Peter says, 43, Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. So Jesus says, you have judged rightly. So look at 47. Can you read 47? Whatever version you have, read with me. One, two, three. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Couple of points, and then I'll end. Uh, I didn't memorize them, so please help me. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> You know, when it comes to God's grace, we limit who can receive it and how much grace. But God doesn't. And he reminds us so. Next one. Jesus, in this story, is not endorsing sin. Neither is he rejecting being pious. He's not. But what he wants to show is everyone needs redemption. And everyone can be redeemed. Everyone is, to God, fit for salvation. And to be part of the work and the mission of God. David, uh, David Banner, whose book I've been checking out, I checked out his book before, but you know, recently kind of looking at it again, it's a great book, right? Book recommendation. I should get a commission, but it's an old book. So it says here, only love is capable of genuine transformation. Willpower is inadequate. Even spiritual effort is not up to the task. If we are to become great lovers, we must return again and again to the great love of the great lover. Thomas Merton reminds us that the root of Christian love is not the will to love, but the faith to believe that one is deeply loved by God. I just found a secret. When you want quotes in your message, you put a quote in a quote. So I thought, that's awesome. Two people I, I, I love to, to read about. Thomas Merton's quote in Banner's quote. But it's so profound, isn't it? The work 
our work, all of our lives is to return again and again to this love. And so this morning, wherever you are seating and listening, I'm telling you, God calls us to return to a joy of our salvation again. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday. But like Tim prayed, every day of our lives, we walk and we celebrate that resurrection because of Christ's redeeming work on us. That God condescended himself for us. You know, the amazing thing is how the Son of Man is the most elevated name above every name in all of heaven and earth, the highest, most exalted one. But he didn't go even, he didn't go up the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. He wants you to know he is with you. He is with you and he is with us. He is in us. God would condescend so that we know all of us can be redeemed. All of us are short like Zacchaeus. All of us have fallen short, Romans 3.23, of the grace of God. All of us, none of us are taller than Zacchaeus. We're physically different, right? But spiritually, all of us are as depraved, as in need of God's redemption as Zacchaeus. And so I invite you as we close, just where you are, close your eyes for a second, for a minute or two. And right where you're at, I don't know where you are at in your walk with Jesus. But if this morning you are like me, that as often as you can, you need to be reminded that there is nothing that merits you the grace of God. There is no tree we can climb spiritually that can get us where Jesus wants us to be. We are not good enough ever up on any tree. All of us fall short. But God will remind us again and again, we need his grace. The person next to you needs his grace. That person that you hate needs his grace. that person that we love, or that person we, we won't even go near. We are the same. And this morning, as you have received the grace of God, would you look at Jesus again and hear him call your name? He calls you out of where you were. And he calls you by your name because he knows what your name and what your identity and your destiny truly is. Zacchaeus was pure and innocent and righteous because Jesus called his name. And Jesus has called your name. If we have ever forgotten God and we've gotten proud on our own merit, or we have, we have shelved your grace in favor of our works, our own righteousness, our filthy rags. This morning we come and we say, give us a fresh revelation of your grace. Renew the joy of our salvation. 
right where we are Jesus we look and turn our eyes to you again and we bend our hearts towards you and we say we don't just respond out of fear or anything no we're not motivated by that we are motivated by the sense of affection and gratitude and humility because we know out of the pits you have saved us if it were not for you we would stay there and so restore the joy of our salvation wherever we are in our lives restore that joy even this morning and if that's you and you desire just a fresh infilling of joy and revelation of his grace would you open both your hands on your laps wherever you're sitting in response to him not going to ask you to raise your hand but very clear gesture of your own faith responds open both your hands and say to God in your own words what's your heart's desire God give us a fresh revelation renew us afresh with your grace that we are so captured that we are transformed inside. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters who've got their hands open and their hearts open. Jesus, renew the joy of our salvation. Renew it even now, yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, that there would be just a fresh revelation of your grace, of how good you are, and how in need we are of you, and how you met us every point of our lives. And this morning, if you've never known Jesus as your Savior, and this morning you say, yes, I want to know Jesus as my Savior, If that's you, can I just ask that you raise your hand where you are with other eyes closed. Just to raise your hand. Right where you're sitting. So I can know which, uh, which of you and I will pray with you later. Thank you for the hand let's just pray together can I ask you to stand before we respond with the worship team and the song God we thank you because you've called us by name we thank you that this is not just a children's Bible story. We thank you that as small and short as we are, that we don't measure up still in your eyes. You deem us worthy of your grace. And so this morning we say yes to you all over again. And like Zacchaeus, we run with joy to you and we say, yes, Jesus, come to my heart, come to my home and come into my habits because without you, we're just unsavable, unlovable.
But with you, life is different. And so this morning we say thank you.